Section 61 of The Living Animals of the World, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Brittany Waring. The Living Animals of the World, Volume 1, Mammals by Charles Lewis Cornish, Editor. Chapter 22 marsupials and monotremes by w savile kent f l s f z s marsupials with the order of the pouched mammals we arrive with the exception of the echidna and platypus next described at the most simply organized representatives of the mammalian class in the two forms above named egg production after the manner of birds and reptiles constitutes the only method of propagation although among marsupials so rudimentary a method of reproduction is not met with the young are brought into the world in a far more embryonic condition than occurs among any of the mammalian groups previously enumerated there is as a matter of fact an entire absence of that vascular or blood connection betwixt the parent and young previous to birth known as placentation common to all the higher mammals though certain of the more generalized forms have been recently found to possess a rudiment of such development in correlation with their abnormally premature birth it may be observed that a special provision commonly exists for the early nurture of the infant marsupials in such a form as the kangaroo for example the young one is placed through the instrumentality of its parents lips in contact with the food supplying teat and to which for some considerable period it then becomes inseparably attached special muscles exist in connection with the parent's mammary glands for controlling the supply of milk to the young animal while the respiratory organs of the little creature are temporarily modified in order to ensure unimpeded respiration the fact of the young in their early life being commonly found thus inseparably adhering to the parent's nipple has given rise to the fallacious but still very widely prevalent idea among the australian settlers that the embryo marsupial is ushered into the world as a direct outgrowth from the mammary region at the present day with the exception of the small group of the american opossums and the selvas the entire assemblage of marsupials comprising some thirty-six genera and one hundred fifty species are singularly to relate exclusively found in australia new guinea and the few neighboring islands recognized by systematic zoologists as pertaining to the australasian region what is more this region of australasia produces with some few insignificant exceptions chiefly rodents no other indigenous mammals it is interesting to note that within the limits of this isolated and anciently founded marsupial order we have an epitome as it were of many of the more important groups of an equivalent classificatory value that are included among the higher mammalia previously described in this relationship we find in the so-called tasmanian wolf the tasmanian devil and the native cats carnivorous and eminently predatory forms whose habits and general conformation are immediately comparable to those of the typical carnivora the bandicoots banded anteater and fascogales recall in a similar manner the higher insectivora 
in the tree frequenting opossums and phalangers the external likeness and conformity in habits to the arboreal rodents is notably apparent several of the species moreover possessing a parachute-like flying membrane essentially identical with that which is found in the typical flying squirrels an example in which the ground frequenting or burrowing rodents are closely approached is furnished by the australian wombat an animal which may be appropriately likened to an overgrown and lethargic marmot in this form moreover the rodent-like character of the dentition is especially noteworthy the higher grass-eating mammals find their counterparts in the family group of the kangaroos in which in addition to their essentially herbivorous habits the contour of the head and neck together with the expressive eyes and large expanding ears are wonderfully suggested of the various members of the deer family the cuscuses of new guinea and the adjacent islands both in form and habits somewhat resemble their geographical neighbors the lorises belonging to the lemur tribe compared with which higher mammals however they possess the advantage of an eminently serviceable prehensile tail the australian koala or so-called native bear has been commonly compared by zoologists with the edentate sloths while in the most recently discovered marsupial the pouched mole we have a counterpart in both form and habits of the familiar european species finally in the small american section of the marsupialia we meet with a type the so-called yapok or water opossum in which the resemblances to an otter in both aspect and its aquatic habits are so marked that the animal was originally regarded as a species only of the otter tribe the character of the marsupium or pouch differs materially among the various members of their order it presents its most conspicuous and normal development in such animals as the kangaroos wallabies and the australian opossums or phalangers in the tasmanian wolf and the bandicoots the pouch opens backwards in such forms as the fascogale or pouched mouse the pouch is reduced to a few rudimentary skin folds while in the banded anteater its position is occupied by a mere patch of longer hairs to which the helpless young ones cling on the same lucas and non lucendo principle there is no trace of a pouch in the koala nor in those smaller species of the american opossums which habitually carry their young upon their back even in these pouchless marsupials however the peculiar marsupial bones are invariably present and in all other essential details their accord with the marsupial type of organization and development is fully maintained the kangaroos the typical and most familiar member of the marsupial order is the kangaroo the heraldic mammal of that vast island continent in the south seas whose phenomenal advance by leaps and bounds from what scarcely a century since was represented by but a few isolated settlements has been aptly likened to the characteristic progression of this animal of kangaroos proper there are some twenty-four known species distributed throughout the length and breadth of australia extending southwards to tasmania and to the north as far as new guinea and a few other adjacent islands in point of size the great grey kangaroo and the red or woolly species run each other very closely 
a full-grown male of either species will weigh as much as two hundred pounds and measure a little over five feet from the tip of the nose to the base of the tail this latter important member monopolizing another four or four and a half feet the red or woolly species more especially affects the rocky districts of south and east australia while the great grey kind is essentially a plain dweller and widely distributed throughout the grassy plains of the entire australian continent and also tasmania it is to the big males of this species that the titles of boomer forester and old man kangaroos are commonly applied by the settlers and the species with which the popular and exciting sport of a kangaroo hunt the antipodean substitute for fox hunting is associated the pace and staying power of an old man kangaroo are something phenomenal our home country foxhounds would have no chance with it consequently a breed of rough-haired greyhounds known as kangaroo dogs are specially trained for this sport a run of eighteen miles with a swim of two in the sea at the finish and all within the space of two brief crowded hours is one of the interesting records chronicled the quarry when brought to bay is moreover a by no means despicable foe erect on its haunches with its back against a tree the dogs approach it at their peril as with a stroke of its powerful spur-armed hind foot it will with facility disembowel or otherwise fatally maim its assailant another favorite refuge of the hunted boomer is a shallow water-hole wherein wading waist-deep it calmly awaits its pursuer's onslaught on the dogs swimming out to the attack it will seize them with its hand-like forepaws thrust them under water and if the rescue is not speedily effected literally drown them even man without the aid of firearms is liable to be worsted in an encounter under these conditions as is evidenced in the following anecdote a newly arrived settler from the old country or more precisely from the sister island ignorant of the strength and prowess of the wily marsupial essayed his maiden kangaroo hunt with only a single dog as company a fine grey boomer was in due course started and after an exciting chase was cornered in a water-hole the dog rushing after it was promptly seized and ducked and pat irate at the threatened drowning of his companion fired but missed his quarry and thereupon jumped into the water-hole with the intention as he afterwards avowed to bait the brains out of the baste with the butt-end of his gun the kangaroo however very soon turned the tables upon pat before he had time to realize the seriousness of the situation he found himself lifted off his feet and soused and hustled with such vigor that both pat and his dog most narrowly escaped a watery grave a couple of neighbors by good luck passing that way observed the turmoil and came to the rescue between them they beat off and killed the kangaroo and dragged pat to land in a half-drowned and almost insensible condition pat recovered and vowed never to meddle with such big bastes again the doe kangaroos while of smaller size and possessing much less staying power than their mates can nevertheless afford a good run for horses and dogs and are commonly known as flyers when carrying a youngster or joey in her pouch and hard pressed by the dogs 
it is a common thing for the parent to abstract her offspring from the pouch with her forepaws and to throw it aside into the bush the instinct of self-preservation only by the discharge of hampering impedimenta is usually ascribed to this act but it is an open question whether the maternal one of securing a chance of escape for her young while feeling powerless to accomplish it for herself does not more often represent the actual condition of the case in proportion to the size of its body the kangaroo yields but a limited amount of meat that is esteemed for food the tail represents the most highly appreciated portion since from it can be compounded a soup not only equal to ordinary oxtail but by gourmands considered so superior that its conservation and export have proved a successful trade enterprise the loins also are much esteemed for the table but the hind limbs are hard and coarse and only appreciated by the native when rations are abnormally short steamer composed of kangaroo flesh mixed with slices of ham represented a standing and very popular dish with the early australian settlers but with the rapid disappearance of the animal before the advance of colonization this one-time common concoction possesses at the present day a greater traditional than actual reputation the hunting of the kangaroo is conducted on several distinct lines the method of its pursuit being varied according to whether the animal is required for the primary object of food for the commercial value of its skin as a matter of pure sport or to accomplish its wholesale destruction in consequence of its encroachments on the pasturage required for sheep and cattle grazing the greatest measure of healthy excitement in hunting the kangaroo from the standpoint of pure sport is no doubt to be obtained when running the marsupial down with horse and hounds in congenial company as referred to on a previous page the stalking of the animal single-handed on horseback or on foot much after the manner of the deer has also its enthusiastic votaries and calls into play the greatest amount of patience and savoir-faire on the part of the sportsman it has been affirmed by a queensland writer quote, to kill kangaroos with a stalking horse requires the practice of a lifetime and few new chums have the patience to learn it it is in fact only stockmen blackfellows and natives of the bush who can by this method expect to make kangaroo shooting pay the horse which is successfully employed by experienced bushmen for stalking purposes is specially trained to its work and walking apparently unconcernedly in the direction of the selected quarry brings the gunners if they are experts in the art of keeping themselves well concealed within easy range in this manner two or three kangaroos are not infrequently shot in the same stock the animals having a tendency on hearing the report of the gun but not locating the direction from which it was discharged to rush about in an aimless manner and as frequently happens in the immediate direction of the hidden sportsman in the good old times it is recorded that an experienced hand might kill as many as seventy or eighty kangaroos in a day by this stalking method the marsupials are at the present date however so severely decimated that even in the most favorable settled districts a bag of from twelve to twenty head must be regarded as exceptional 
stalking the kangaroo on foot without the horse's aid is more strongly recommended to those to whom an occasional shot is considered sufficiently remunerative taking full advantage of intervening bushes and other indigenous cover an approach to within a hundred yards or so of the quarry may be usually accomplished though not quite so easily perhaps as might be at first anticipated it is the habit of the kangaroo to sit up waist-high in the midst of the sun-bleached grass which corresponds so closely in color with its own hide that unless the animal is silhouetted against the skyline it readily escapes detection the conditions under which the kangaroo is obtained for the main purpose of supplying the human commissariat is perhaps most aptly illustrated in connection with its chase as prosecuted by the australian aborigines in tasmania and the southern australian states the primeval man is either extinct or more rare than the kangaroo in the extreme north and far northwest however he still poses as the lord of creation and conducts his hunting expeditions on a lordly scale the food supply of the australian native is essentially precarious long intervals of short commons are interspersed with brief periods of overabundance in which he indulges his appetite to its fullest bent a kangaroo drive on native lines represents to the australian mind one of these last-named superlatively memorable occasions the entire tribe men women and all capable youths participate in the sport fires are lit by one section of the tribe according to the direction of the wind encircling a vast area of the country while the other section posts itself in detachments in advantageous positions to intercept the terrified marsupials as they fly in the presumed direction of safety to escape the devouring element spears and wadis and boomerangs in the hands of the expert natives speedily accomplish a scene of carnage and the after-feast that follows may perhaps be best left to the imagination of the reader the encroachments of neighboring natives on the happy hunting-grounds that time and custom have conceded to be the sole monopoly of any one particular tribe is most strenuously resented and constitute one of the commonest sources of their well-nigh perpetual intertribal battles a kangaroo battue as carried into practice by european settlers in those few remaining districts where the animal is sufficiently abundant to constitute a pest by its wholesale consumption of the much prized pasturage is far more deadly in its results to the unfortunate marsupials existing sheep fences supplemented by a large suitably enclosed yard are first specially prepared for the reception of the expected victims all the settlers stockmen and farmhands from the country round are pressed into service and assemble on horseback or on foot at the appointed rendezvous at break of day a widely spreading cordon of beaters being told off a systematic drive is then commenced which results in all the animals being driven towards and collected within the enclosed yard the culminating scene is one of wholesale slaughter with club and gun from these battues none of the unfortunate animals escape as they are so closely hemmed in the first record of the existence of the kangaroo coupled with its characteristic name is found associated it is interesting to observe with the history of one of the earlier voyages of captain cook 
the neighborhood of cooktown in queensland claims the honor of supplying the first example of the animal which was brought to europe and astonished the zoologists of that time by the singularity of its form and reported habits captain cook happened in july seventeen seventy to be laying up his ship the endeavor for repairs after narrowly escaping total wreck on the neighboring great barrier reef in the estuary of the river subsequently coupled with his ship's name foraging parties dispatched with the object of securing if possible fresh meat or game for the replenishment of the ship's well-nigh exhausted larder returned with reports of a strange creature of which they subsequently secured specimens skins were preserved and brought to england but it was some little time before the zoological position and affinities of the creature were correctly allocated by some naturalists it was regarded as representing a huge species of jerboa its near relationship to the previously known american opossums being however eventually substantiated the closer acquaintanceship with the peculiar fauna of australia that followed upon captain cook's memorable voyage of discovery along the coastline of that island continent soon familiarized naturalists with many other of the allied species of which the kangaroo constitutes the leading representative some considerable amount of obscurity is associated with the prime origin of the animal's almost world-wide title of kangaroo it is most commonly accepted as representing the native name for the creature in that queensland district from whence it was first reported by captain cook no later investigations and inquiries have however in any way established the correctness of this hypothesis those explorers who have made a special study of the dialects and habits of the aboriginal inhabitants entirely failing to elicit anything even remotely coinciding with the name in question it has in fact been reluctantly concluded by one of the most experienced queensland authorities on these matters that the name originated as a mere miscomprehension of the information elicited from the natives verbal communication with the native tribes under the most favorable circumstances is liable to a vast amount of misunderstanding and where other than linguistic experts are present it frequently happens that much mongrel or pigeon english gets mixed up with the native terms assuming this to have been the case in the present instance it has been suggested that the name of kangaroo or kangaroo as it was originally spelt implied some form of negation of the knowledge which the inquiring white man was seeking to elicit or maybe partly even a phonetic and parrot-like repetition of the constantly recurring query that was doubtless current among the handy men of the endeavors commission such as can you tell me this or that concerning the many unfamiliar objects that greeted the eyes of the new arrivals in this strange land the writer retains a vivid recollection of a closely analogous manner in which the rural inhabitants of vigo bay on the spanish coast appropriated a common phrase used by the crew of the yacht with whom he landed there having evidently noted that the two words i say prefaced the majority of jack tar's speeches this catchphrase was adopted and applied by them as a greeting and as a reply to almost every interrogation in dumb show or otherwise that was addressed to them an unknown animal submitted to these rustic salons would doubtless have been dubbed the i say and had the land been a new one say somewhere in the south seas that name would probably have stuck to it 
applying this interpretation to the kangaroo and bearing in mind the fondness of the australian native to duplicate his name words or syllables for example wagga wagga debble debble and so forth the kang you you or a closely resembling phonetic expression would present itself to the native mind as a much more correct rendering of the simpler can you or kang you which he had picked up as a catchphrase from the endeavor's crew in the absence at all events of any more rational interpretation of the mystery this one would seem to merit consideration while the kangaroo is being speedily dethroned from the dominant position it originally occupied in the indigenous australian fauna praiseworthy and highly successful attempts have been made to acclimatize this marsupial on british soil at tring park lord rothschild's estate woburn abbey and elsewhere troops of these graceful creatures may be seen under conditions of happiness and liberty scarcely inferior to those by which they are environed to their native bush of smaller members of the kangaroo family there are some thirty distinct forms popularly known in australia as wallabies wallaroos paddy melons potaroos kangaroo hares kangaroo rats etc the wallabies which represent the most important group with regard to their larger size and economic utility number some fourteen or fifteen species and are distinguished with relation more especially to their habitats or peculiar structure as rock brush tail and spur tail wallabies etc among the rock wallabies the yellow-footed species from south australia is undoubtedly one of the handsomest as well as the largest member of its group the uniform gray characteristic of the majority of its members being in this instance represented by an elegantly striped and banded form in which the several tints of brown yellow black and white are pleasingly interblended a very fine example of this wallaby was included in the valuable collection of animals formerly at windsor recently presented to the zoological society by his majesty king edward and is now on view at the regent's park the successful stocking of rock wallabies in their native fastnesses entails no mean amount of patience and agility although these animals are so abundant in favored localities as to make hard-beaten tracks to and fro betwixt their rock dwellings and their pasture grounds one may traverse the country in broad daylight without catching a glimpse of a single individual one species about the size of a large rabbit is very plentiful among the rocky bastion-like hills that border the ord river which flows into cambridge gulf in western australia efforts to stalk examples in broad daylight proved fruitless but by sallying out a little before daybreak so as to arrive at their feeding grounds while the light was still dim the writer succeeded in securing several specimens many of these rock wallabies are notable for the length fine texture and pleasing tints of their fur their skins on such account being highly esteemed for the composition of carriage rugs and other furry articles of the larger brush or scrub varieties the species known as the black wallaby is the most familiar form it is particularly abundant in the southern australian states and also in tasmania its flesh is excellent eating and dressed and served up in the orthodox manner of jugged hare can scarcely be distinguished from that toothsome dish some of the smaller species such as the hare and rat kangaroos 
or porteroos are as their names denote of no larger dimensions than the familiar rodents from which they are popularly named several of these smaller species including notably the potoroo or kangaroo rat of new south wales are addicted to paying marked attention to the settlers gardens and being to a large extent root feeders have acquired a special predilection for the newly planted or more fully matured potato crops the most abnormal group of the kangaroo family is undoubtedly that of the tree kangaroos formerly supposed to have been limited in its distribution to the island of new guinea but which has within recent years been found to be represented by one or more species in northern queensland at the Melbourne Zoo they have been found, except in the coldest weather, to thrive well in the open, a moderate-sized tree with a small fenced-in enclosure around it being admirably suited to their requirements, at the same time providing a most instructive exhibition of their peculiar forms and idiosyncrasies. Seen at its best, however, the tree kangaroo, or boongary, as it is known amongst the Queensland natives, is a most clumsy melancholy looking beast which has apparently found itself up a tree not as the outcome of its personal predilections but owing to the force majeure of untoward pressure in the form either of relentlessly persecuting enemies or the failure of its normal terrestrial commissariat compared with the graceful and superlatively agile tree-frequenting phalangers between whom and the ordinary kangaroos it has been sometimes but erroneously regarded as representing a connecting link the boongary presents a most ungainly contrast its climbing powers are of the slowest and most awkward description the whole of its energies being concentrated on its endeavor to preserve its balance and to retain a tight hold upon the branches of the trees it frequents and to which it clings with such tenacity with its long sharp claws that it can with difficulty be detached in its wild state moreover these claws can be very effectively used as weapons of defence and hence the natives with whom the animal is highly esteemed as an article of food are careful to give it its quietus with their clubs or waddies before venturing to handle it the tree kangaroos inhabit the densest parts of the forests or scrubs of new guinea and tropical queensland and appear to confine their movements chiefly to the trees of moderate size or the lower branches only of the taller ones the species which constitutes the most natural known connecting link between the typical kangaroos and the family of the phalangers next described is the five-toed rat kangaroo or potoroo as its name implies it is a small creature of rat-like aspect and dimensions and possesses like a rat a long cylindrical naked scaly tail it is the structure of the feet however that constitutes the important distinction in place of the four toes only to the hind limbs it possesses the full complement of five and the first toe moreover is set farther back and is opposable for grasping purposes this animal is from queensland End of section 61